All right, we are live. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes. To Issues of Life, the podcast. Hey. Hey. I'm glad you could join us. I am Shelly's View from Issues of Life, the podcast. And also I have my BFF and sister, Lady Todd. Hey, hello, hello. This is Lady Tan live from the Issues of Life, the podcast. Thank you all for joining us this evening, and we hope that you will enjoy everything that's about to be said. And I just hope you will chime on in anytime you get ready to. Thank you. <laughs> um, also, Ty, you need to tell them about your big event on Tuesday, May 26th. Oh, uh, we know the battle, the battles have been going on with Jill Scott and um uh, what's her name, Erica Badu and Teddy Riley and uh, all those people, but we have a local celebrity in the house that's going to have a battle. Can you give us a little background about that, please? Oh my God. See, I didn't even think he was going to go there today or tonight, but I'm glad you did. On May 26th, I was supposed to be launching my CD release and um, because of the pandemic and things of that nature, it was postponed, but however, I'm still going to launch my CD release, and I'm going to have a self-battle. I'm a self-battle myself. I'm my greatest enemy. So <laughs> I'm going to do what I need to do. I didn't want to I didn't want to compete against nobody but me because all I'm doing is trying to give God the glory and I'm trying to spread the good news that even in this, God still has the last word and he still has the solution to any and everything we can even think of or imagine. So I'm going to do a self-battle because... It's about me and how people see me so they can see God through me. So my thing is, I just thank God for all he's done for me. Um, I've always been the background singer. I love being a part of something opposed to being the part. So my thing is um, I'm self-battling because I want to show how important it is to network, how important it is to support other people's dreams and visions. You don't necessarily always have to be the person in front, but as long as you're in the same room and the anointing is there, you are still just as important. You are you are just as important as the next person. Don't worry about if a person don't put you on, let God put you on. Because if God put you on, they can't turn you off. Amen. So Amen my um, and that's just what it is. It's going to be a self-battle. I hope you will enjoy it. Um, and if you don't, hey, I'm going to do it anyway. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now we have our special guest here, Mr. Jesse Cole. I could have read from a piece of paper and told everybody who you are and what you do. But I want you to personally share your story, tell the world who you are, what you do, and what is your purpose. Yeah, that's a that's a big, big question, a multi-layered question. So um, I'm the oldest of four, four kids. My father's a pastor, mama's a teacher, all that good stuff. And so I grew up in a church pretty much. Um, and now I'm married. I have two children. My wife's name is Shalene. It'll be 13 years this year. Oh, Lord. All right. Woo! Woo! It's Tyne and Rick. So, yeah, 13 years. That's right. 13, uh, baby. Right. 13 years. Uh, Dean and Naya are my children. Dean is seven. He'll be eight in a, in a minute. And Naya just turned four. All and right. So, uh, that's, that's my family. And what I do is 
Um, I am the COO of Kingdom Mogul Coaching. And what we do is we help you convert your uh, your life story, your life experiences um, into a story, into a message you can monetize. So that's what we're doing. We have, from a book to speaking engagements, we help people build their kingdom platforms. And so we're excited about that. We love it. Uh, my purpose in life is to encourage and equip leaders to become the better version of themselves. But my assignment is to help you grow your faith as you grow your business. And so that's what we that's what we do every day. Okay. And now how long has um, Kingdom Mobile Coaching been in business? We have been in business officially for two years, but we've been doing the work for 10. So All right. Amen. So what keeps you going, basically? My purpose, you know, just, just the fact that I have purpose and God has called me to a specific thing to do in this earth. Like that's what keeps, keeps me going, whether it's the times are good, whether the times are in, I'm in a valley, whatever, like no matter what the times are, no matter what the situation is, I have to demonstrate this purpose. I have to continue to encourage and equip leaders to become the better version of themselves, especially right now, you know, since we're going through this pandemic, some people are choosing to operate in fear and some people are choosing to operate in faith. And so I've always said the same God that you celebrated when times was good, he ain't changed. He the same God. The word ain't changed. Your situation may change. The circumstances may change, but God ain't changed. And That's so, right. You know, so, you know, the same running around you do in church, the same praising you do, the same Bible you read when things were going bad, going good. Okay, things may be changing right now, but, you know, his word never changes. So, you know, this is a perfect time for us to really stand on and to prove um, what our faith has been talking about all this, all this time. Amen. Amen. So we usually have um, a, a, a section that's called Not So. Okay. Current events. That's right. So um, I'm going to start off. This is a part of an excerpt from Paul Butler. He wrote a book called Chokehold, Policing Black Men. And the article was called U.S. Justice is Built to Humiliate and Oppress Black Men. And it starts with the chokehold. And I quote, this was back in 1976, a, a man named Adolph Lyons, he was a 24-year-old black man, was pulled over by four Los Angeles police officers for driving with a broken taillight. The cops exited their squad cars with their guns drawn, ordering Lyons to spread his legs and put his hands on top of his head. After Lyons was frisked, he put his hands down, causing one cop to grab Lyons' hands and slam them against his head. Lyons had been holding his keys and he complained that he was in pain. The police officer tackled Lyons and placed him in a chokehold until he blacked out. When Lyons regained consciousness, he was lying face down on the ground, had soiled his pants and was spitting up blood and dirt. The cops gave him a traffic citation and sent him on his way. Lyons sued the police, the LAPD, stopped putting people in chokeholds. He presented evidence that in recent years, 16 people including 12 black men had died in LAPD custody after being placed in chokeholds. In the city of Los Angeles versus Lyons, the US Supreme Court denied his claim, holding that because Lyons could not prove that he would be subject to a chokehold in the future, he had no personal stake in the outcome. What now that was it? in 1976, okay? So then we fast forward to today and we know Ahmad Arbery who was jogging in a suburban neighborhood in Georgia 
was killed by two white men, a father, Greg McMichael, and his son, Travis McMichael. They caught themselves taking justice in their own hands and they gunned him down. And then also, not only do we have to worry about the pain that is inflicted by others, but also by ourselves. You know, um, I don't know if you heard in Flint, there was a security guard who worked at a family dollar in Flint. His name was Calvin Mernelin. He was killed while doing his job because he informed a woman that her daughter needed to wear a mask due to executive orders. Though the daughter left the store, the mother, a black woman, she continued to argue with the guard, a black man. She left and returned with her son and husband who shot and killed Mernelin while on assignment. So this is why I wanted to talk about the worth of a black man. We continue to hear stories over and over and over again. And how do we stress the importance of the worth of a black man? That is a loaded question, um, a, a very much loaded question. I remember when a, a couple of years ago, when all of this stuff was happening, Eric Gardner happened, like a bunch of stuff was happening day after day after day after day. And that was the, for me in my house, it was one of the most, like the saddest times for, especially for my wife and I, um, when they were doing the, um, the press conference with Eric Gardner and uh, Eric Gardner's son and his wife, his son, I think he was like 13 or 14 years old at the time. And he came up to the mic and he said, I just want my daddy. Like, I just want my daddy. And like that broke me. That broke me. Even after seeing his father being killed in the chokehold, like the son saying, like, I just want my daddy. And during that same week, I was headed down to the deep south in Virginia to speak at a youth conference of people who didn't look like me, right? And when I got down, like before my wife dropped me off, I think that's the, the tightest she ever hugged me. When she dropped me off at the airport, she just said, I know you're doing God's work, but man, be careful in those mountains. I was actually in like the mountains of Virginia, like be careful out there. And I get down there and the first night I had to had to uh, to speak at this church, this uh, the Southern Baptist Church. I was the only black person in there. Just imagine this big, tall, six three, right. black man. Oh, in there right. there. Put right. yourself on put yourself on the pedestal like right. that. <laughs> and I'm up in front of this church of you know believers, but they don't look like me. Mm -hmm. And before I got a chance to speak, the pastor got up and said this. I know a lot of stuff is happening right now. We we have we, we have people being killed, but let's pray. This is what the pastor said. Let's pray for the officers that got killed in Texas this week. He didn't say let's pray for the for the for the black wow. people who were killed. He didn't say let's pray for their families. He said we have officers in our church, and we want we, we got to make sure that we pray for our officers because they're under attack. Mm. Now, this is right before I got to get up and speak. Wow! Wow! And so he said that, I know I'm, I'm kind of going long, but I'm, I'll bring it all back. Um, he said that before I got up and spoke and I had to get up and speak behind that. Right. And so before I, you know, spoke, I said, you know, thank you, Pastor, for for those prayers. But I also want to make sure that we understand that somebody's father was killed this week. Somebody's son was killed this week. Somebody's husband or boyfriend was killed this week, killed this week. And they don't look like you guys. So 
So we got to pray for them as well. That's right. right. And so I spoke, whatever. After I got done speaking, this uh, this white lady walked up to me in the in the line and she was like, you know, Brother Jesse, I'm so glad that you said that because sometimes we feel like we're the only ones here on this earth. Mm. Wow. Mm. Right. That they're the only ones on the earth? That's what she said. And so and in that moment, in that moment, like I felt I, I, I felt as if when you talk about a black man's worth, I felt as if from a pastor of a church, he didn't he didn't see me as valuable. Right. And so I believe that as black men, we like we are we are faced with a myriad of issues, not just within society. But even within our own people, within our own families, like making like the 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 attack that's on us, the attack that's coming against us is so fierce. It's so fierce, and I believe that as as long as that attack is there, as long as that attack is there, our families are going to be uh, there's going to be a rift in our families. Like the the attack on the black man is an attack on the black family. If if, if black men aren't here, then that's going to rip apart our families. And so for me in my house, my job as a father is to make sure that my house is good. Like before I can go out into my community and, and, and touch these young men and speak to these families, I got to make sure that my son understands that he's valued, that my daughter understands that she's valued, that my wife understands that she's valued. Like for me, it starts at home first. Right. And, and I, I believe our value doesn't start just with our culture. It's, it begins with understanding who we are in Christ. It's like I'm a, I'm a I'm a I'm a Christian before I'm a black man. I'm a, I'm a child of God before I'm a black man. So what does God say about me? What does my Creator say about me? He says I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm a lender, not a borrower. Like so, understanding who I am in Christ will help me to understand who I am as far as my value as a black man. Amen. Amen. So I want to talk about your book. I know you wrote this book a few years back. It's Walk Like a King, The Young Man's Guide to Conquering the World. And I think that's part of the answer right there. Knowing your worth is when you know that you are a king, you know, and you, when you walk in your purpose. So can you tell us a little bit about this book? Yeah. So the acronym KING, K-I-N-G, is not one of status. It's not saying I'm better than you. K-I-N-G stands for this. Keep investing in the next generation. That's what King stands for. Keep investing in the next generation. So it's not just about what you learn. It's about what you learn and how you pass it on. And so, so the, the genesis of that book is I was working in a school system. And I was working in a school that didn't have a lot of black males working in that school. And a lot of our... our a lot of the young men that were getting in trouble, they were always in detention uh, and in school, spent getting kicked out of school on behavior contracts. And I realized that it wasn't anything for them to do outside of being a part of the, bas the basketball team. There was no mentoring programs. There was nobody really trying to invest in them. And at the time, I was a deputy instructor, meaning I went from classroom to classroom. When a teacher was out, I would be in that classroom, right? And so I went to the... Um, I went to the principal and I asked her, um, can we start a mentoring program? At the time, I was being coached and my coach told me, you know, Jesse, I believe you have a message inside of you for these young men. I need you to write this book. I said, okay. 
write the book in 30 days. Like, what? Wow. Days? Said, Wait a minute, I've been writing the book for 10 years. How do you write a book in 30 days? <laughs> he, said, write, he, said, he, said, he said, write the book, and you got 30 days to write it. And so I wrote the book in 30 days. And I pulled from my life experiences, things my father taught me, things that the black man in my community taught me, things that I learned as far as a believer, put it all in this book. And what it is, is it's not just a character development book, but it's a leadership. It's, it's, a, it's a book on leadership, helping them to know who they are as a leader. And so the, so the principal allowed me to do the, uh, the mentoring program as a pilot for eight weeks. And these young men would meet with me once a week on a Wednesday during their lunchtime. Now, lunchtime for middle schoolers is a time for them to fraternize and eat and play and all that kind of stuff. But these young men would come into a classroom with me for an hour to learn some principles from that book. When they when they started the, um, the, the, the mentoring program, they would come in, you know, pants sagging, shirts out. I don't want to be here. I don't need this. But at the end of the eight weeks, they were wearing black pants, white shirts, and black ties wow. every Wednesday, wow. right? By week four. And they wanted something to be a part of. And so we used that book as a curriculum. Man, that was, those are some good times. I'm thinking about it now. We used that book as a curriculum to help them understand who they are, not just as young black men, but who they are as men, period. Mm. Amazing. So in the contents, I'm read, I'm looking through this book, and when I was reading some of it, I'm like, okay, he took some of my ideas. You know, I'm like, I, I dealt with some of this stuff. And you know, it's it's easy for us to say, you know, well, he's a boy or he's a man, and you know, they don't really have to deal with those certain issues. And one thing that really stuck out was when I read this, it says, when I was in middle school, the only kids that got the attention were the ones who were super smart or the kids who got in trouble all the time. People like me seem to get ignored a lot of the time and being ignored for no apparent reason was hard for me to deal with. What made my life even more complicated was that several of my friends were popular for different reasons, but it seemed like I never really fit in. Yeah. And I wrote something similar and I had to read like, er, let me read this again. He took my words. But, you know, um, this this is good. This is good stuff because. Young men need to know, you know, you do, men do deal with self-esteem issues. They do deal with bullying, you know, but we teach our girls to deal with our with their emotions, but not our young men. Yeah. So how do you tackle that as, as a father as, and a mentor? Yeah, so that's something that my, my son and I, we're going through right now. Um, that I'm, I'm teaching him about his self-worth. I'm teaching him that he doesn't have to get emotional not you know, like outwardly emotional, extra emotional when things don't go his way. I'm teaching him how to sit back and assess when things aren't going right. Okay, what what's happening around me? What should my response be? You know, and that's really that's really teaching him how to how to have ownership of his emotions, how to have ownership of his space, right? Because when you have ownership of your emotions and you have ownership of your space, you teach people how to treat you. So if, if, if you're someone who's always flying off the handle, if you're somebody who, who, who can't really um, control their emotions, if you're somebody who's always projecting your insecurities, then people are going to treat you that way. Right? Deal with right. You. <laughs> but but, but if, you, if you are somebody who has a, an understanding of your emotions and how to not react, but respond, like there's a difference between reacting and responding, right? 
and you can control your response, then that's where that self-control piece comes in. So I believe that many of our young men really deal with, with that, that self-control piece because they're not taught that. They don't, have, they don't have men in their life to teach them what it looks like to have self-control and discipline. It doesn't make you weak if you don't respond. It doesn't Wait, make say you it one more, one more time, please. Yeah. Say it one more time. It doesn't, it doesn't make you weak if you don't respond. All right. Yeah. It, doesn't, it, doesn't, it, it doesn't make you weak. It so makes you strong. Yeah, yeah. And so many of the young men that we, um, when, I, when I had the mentoring program, it was some of the issues that they were having was emotional, like being extra emotional, not understanding how to articulate themselves. They had to prove themselves all the time because they didn't have strong male figures in their life to teach them what that looks like. They were they were being raised by women, right? They were being raised by aunties and uncles and mamas, and there was no real men in their life to show them, okay, as a young boy, as a young man, this is how you conduct yourself, not just at home, but in society as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All emotional and flamboyant and all that other uh, nonsense, I call it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about manhood as being like this hard uh, yeah. machismo. I'm talking about self-control. I mean, the, the fruit of the spirit, patient, yeah. self-control. Like, mm -hmm. like these are just, these are fruit of the spirit. And it goes back to when you asked me about the value of a man. And I told you my value is in Christ first. I see myself as, as, a, as, as a son of God, as, as a child of God first. So if I see myself as a child of God, then those fruit of the spirit that is permeated throughout my, throughout my manhood. The patience, the love, the kindness, the self-control, right? All these things are some are, are characteristics that men of worth possess. They learn how to possess uh, over time. Now, I see, like, um, I'm looking at your table of contents, and um, one on chapter three is entitled Goals, and... Um, I wanted to bring this up because I was talking to somebody that I know and they reached a milestone birthday and I asked them, you know, what are your short and long-term goals? And they told me, I don't make goals. This is a, a male, you know, he's like, I don't make goals. Can you talk to us about how important it is to, to make goals? Yeah. So at the time that I wrote that book and you have the first edition actually. So this okay. one, like, like, I can't walk oh, in. You, wait a minute, I gotta trade. Let's trade. I want. I need that new edition. Walk easy when you we're asking questions. What you say? Walk easy when I'm okay, but I yeah. need an answer, so I gotta ask the question. Amen. God bless you. So she's stepping on your toes. Not mine. <laughs> she not on toes. I'm stepping I'm on. Familiar with, I'm familiar with some toes. <laughs> she can see some toes, and we gonna leave it right there. But I, I need to know how important is it. I believe it's, it's extremely important to, to set goals. At the time that I wrote that book, um, I didn't I didn't really know what my rhythm was. All I know was I was a goal getter. I was whenever I see something, I try to go after it. But now I've learned <clears throat> that even in my activity, my activity needs to be spirit led. Right. And so so my goals, I have to ask myself, God, like, what is your best for me? When I wrote that book. I, I didn't have that revelation yet. It was all about what do I want? How do I go after it? Who do I need to connect with to get it done? It's all about perseverance and discipline, which are all great characteristics to have. But now, and I wrote that book in 2011, 2012, eight years ago. 
over the course of eight years, I've learned how to say, okay, God, I know what I want, but what do you want? What is like, what what is your best for me? Because I know that if I put my hands on it, I'm going to mess it up. But I know if your hands are on it, all I got to do is be obedient. So if my goals of what I want does not align with what you want, then I don't want it. Right. And so I believe that as believers and as young men, as we are understanding what our value is, not just as men, but as men of God, we understand that even our goal setting has to be spirit led so that so we so, so that so that God can bless what we put out there. Right. And so I would for any young man who may be watching this or a mother or father who may be watching this and you want to help your kid start to um, uh, go after their goals, begin to plant inside their spirit. Ask God, God, what is your best for me? Because he wants to tell us, right? The Holy Spirit's job is to, to, to lead us and to guide us into all truth. The truth of what? The truth of what God, what God says about us. They have right. to believe in God. Right. And, and, yeah. and so, so understanding, and so understanding, okay, God, if that's your best for me, then I want that. Then show me how to do that. Show me how to go after that. Show me who I need to connect to. Show me, show me where to go, what path I need to go down in order to achieve this thing. So, yes, it's important to have goals, but it's even much more important to be spirit led in your pursuit of those goals. But, you know, that's quite a challenge. Um, I'm in the school and I remember a teacher sharing that a lot of her children or her, the students in her class, they didn't know about being spirit led or, or knowing about Christ. Like when I was younger, you know, my grandma made sure I went to vacation Bible school. I didn't want to go, but I had to go. You know, um, I went to Sunday school. I sang in the church, but a lot of children, they're not. And I'm, I'm going to be transparent. My own children, they they know God. They love God for themselves, but they're not really active as far as going, you know, to church as well. So how do you get them to understand that that's important? Like in order to, to walk in your purpose and understanding that the Holy Spirit can guide you, that they need to have a relationship. That That's a challenge in today's school. Yeah, so you so 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 you ask, you asked two different questions. Well, you 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 posed two different thoughts. Okay, one was for me, and then one was for everybody else. So, all right. So you said church and relationship. It ain't the same. It's not the same. It ain't the same, right? You're right. And so I grew up in church too. You know, father, pastor, first one there, last one to leave. In church three or four times a week, singing in the choir and the kids' choir, and the, like I was there, right? And so we were taught how to do church. And we equate spirituality with doing church. But it wasn't until I got older that I realized that it wasn't like church is extremely important. Right. You know, don't don't forsake the assembling of yourself. We got to get together like we learn in community. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's not where the transformation happens. The transformation happens through our relationship. The break. Hey, wait, wait. You got to rewind that. Say that one more time. Say that one more time for us. Our transformation happens through relationship with God. Amen. doesn't happen for many times. For many of us, it doesn't happen within the four walls of the church. Right. Like the, church, the church building and the community is needed. Like we need that support system. We need that experience. We need that discipline. But that's not relationship. That's church. Your relationship is how do you, how do you connect with God? And I've been talking about this lately. Like, like what is your rhythm? Like what is what is what is your what is what is your spiritual rhythm? How do you connect with God? 
Um, and I'll, I'll show you how I'm doing it with my son right now. And then I'm going to start doing it with my daughter. But she's like, she's different. Okay. So I got, I got, yes, I got to work with yes. her. Like me. She <laughs> like me. I'm still, praying, I'm still praying about how to, how to, how to pitch this to her. Yeah. You're going to need some prayer. <laughs> but then got it. So uh, I wish I could show you this book I'm reading. It's called Unforced Rhythms. Right. And it, it, it's talking about how we connect with God. And in the book, it talks about the, the three different types of rhythms that we have. And depending on who you are, you may have one of these rhythms or a combination of both. So the first rhythm is the daily rhythm. This is the person that gets up every day at the same time, does the same thing every day. They're like very regimented and routine based. They they get up in the morning at 6 a.m., they read the Bible, they have their devotion, they write their journal, they drink coffee at the same time, they go to work at the same time. And if you disrupt that flow, they will go crazy. That is the person that needs to have specific rhythm, right? Then you have the weekly, monthly rhythm, the person who they're, they still have goals and tasks, but they're a lot more fluid in how they achieve those things, right? Um, and then you have the person who was a yearly or a seasonal rhythm where they like every, every month may look different for them, but they still connect with God through art, through music, through um, they may go through seasons of highs and lows, but they understand that's, that. That's me that's right there. Right? That's me. Yeah. Right. And so for me, I'm a combination of seasonal and monthly and weekly, right? Where I, I have goals, but I'm flexible enough to navigate around them for the bigger picture. Right. And so one thing that I'm, I'm teaching my son, and this just happened yesterday. If you saw this Facebook post happened yesterday. So Dean has been getting up at six o'clock in the morning for the last week or two. while Everybody else is sleeping. We get up he on the couch watching TV or in the room playing in his sister's room, trying to wake her up because he wants somebody to play with. And she can sleep at 10 o'clock. Right. And so um, I kind of got concerned. I'm like, why is this boy getting up? Well, I realized that his internal clock is set for school time. He's getting up early for school time. And I said, okay, God, tell me, like, tell me how to, how to address this. Because he's getting up too much, too early. And I, I, I called Dean, too. And I said, Dean, come here, let me talk to you. I'm like, I see you've been getting up. You've been getting up early. You're like, yeah, I've been getting up. I just, I just can't sleep. I said, you know what? What if that's God getting you up early to try, try to talk to you? And he was like, hmm. So what if God trying to wake you that early because he wanted to talk to you? I said, try this. The next time you get up early, ask God, God, what do you want to say to me? And then whatever, whatever you hear, write a letter and draw a picture of what you're hearing God say to you. So this morning, as I'm down in the office, he brings me a picture with a big heart on it and a letter to God saying, God, I love you. And this is my way I'm showing it to you. Right? And so... He's hearing God right now. But if I never would have introduced him to that discipline, he never would have got it. So I'm not sure what his rhythm is going to be, but at least he has that discipline now to know, hey, first of all, my daddy trusts me enough to get up and talk to God. Second of all, God want to talk to me. And third, I can like I can I can actually hear him and write down what I'm what I'm hearing. Like so he's getting all of this revelation at the age of six. Right. So, and so you starting young is very important. Yeah. So you asked that question. How do we? I know it's a long question. I can be here all night talking about that. But you asked the question: How do we get our children to understand that relationship is important? 
I believe that we have to introduce them to different disciplines and then allow them to choose how they are going to connect with God. And it's not really them choosing, it's God showing them how to connect. But we can't force our rhythm on our children. But all we can do is expose them to the opportunity and then let God do the work. Amen. Now, another topic you talk about is persistence. And I feel this is very key. And this is a key ingredient, not only to walking like a king, but walking like a queen as well. And it's persistence. It says, um, this is on page 72 in the first edition you stated that I have. Persistence is the cousin to determination. You can't have one without the other because they go hand in hand. If determination means that you have made up in your mind that you will not quit, until you have reached your goal, persistence is what allows you to stay focused on your goal despite the challenges that may arise. Can you talk a little bit more about persistence? Yeah, just simply like don't quit. Don't don't quit. If it get hard, don't quit. You may have to change the way you do something. You may have to, you know, change the route to your destination. But if you know that God told you to do something. If you know that this is your purpose and your assignment in earth, depend, like regardless of what the response is from the people, regardless of how you feel emotionally, like you can't quit. You may have days where you don't want to do it. You may have to relax and regroup. That's fine. But don't stay there too long. Like Don't quit. And you're not doing it for the glory of men anyway. You're doing it because this is who God called you to be. Like This is who God called you to be. So whether you got people, you know, supporting you or or hating on you, and like we all experience that. It don't even really matter because this is your purpose and your assignment. Like you gotta do this. You gotta do this. You have to. I say it again. Don't quit. If you know your purpose and your assignment, you have to do this. Yeah. I always say my purpose and my assignment is to encourage and equip leaders to become the better version of themselves, right? And so what happens if, God forbid, I get in a car accident and I can't speak anymore? But guess what? My purpose don't stop. I still got to find a way. Maybe I can write more books. What if my arms got chopped off? All right. I still got to find a way to, to encourage and equip people to become the better person. Like, this is why I'm here. Like, I got to right. do it. Yeah, what if you can't get your hair done because of quarantine? You still got to do your purpose, right? You still, you still got to do it. Everybody thinking about your hair anyway. Everybody raggedy right now. All right. And so you got to do it. You have to. Like our purpose is so much bigger than our circumstances. So when you talk about perseverance, it's just your willingness to not stop. Willingness to keep going. Your your willingness to be connected to what whatever it is God called you to do. And you just have to keep going until you're not here no more. Now, I need to ask a question. You saying what God has called you to do and people trying to get closer to God, trying to hear from God. Um, how can you how can you tell uh, inform people how to go about doing that? Because everybody may not know how to uh, hear from God. May I know you have to have a relationship and there's a lot of people that go to church and in the church, but don't have a relationship with God. Someone that's trying to hear from God so that they'll know what their purpose is because a lot of people, a lot of grown people don't know what their purpose is. And they're going around in circles, not really knowing what to do. So yeah. how, how would you uh, describe that? Yeah. So like without knowing who the person is, without knowing their background, this is, this is what I always say. If somebody were to say, 
you know, Jesse, how can I hear from God? I'm like, first of all, God want to talk to you. Like he, he always talking, right? Mm-hmm. I would say, ask, ask God this, God, what is your best for me? God, real simple. I know it sounds simple. It might be trivial to some people, but the scripture says, you know, I, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If, if anybody want to let me in, if you let me in, I'm going to come in and I'm going to eat with you. I'm going I'm to I'm commune with you. So I believe an easy way to do that is to God, what, like, what is your best? Life? What do you want to say? What are you saying to me? It doesn't take a whole lot of ritual. It doesn't take a whole lot of, you know, rigmarole to get it done. God, like, God, what do you want to say? Like, I, I believe, I believe that if we broke down right now and we all said, God, Holy Spirit, what are you saying right now? What do you want to say? What do you want done right now? I believe that he would tell each and every one of us exactly what needs to be done, like what he wants to say right now. I believe that. Amen. And I know, I know it works. It is not magic. It's just open up your heart to receive what God wants to do. Because in my in my coaching programs, when my coach, when my clients get stuck, we stop the, we stop the session. Go through an exercise. We ask those questions. God, Holy Spirit, where you where do you want to say right now? Where are you leading us? What's our what's your best for us right now? And people are hearing because they're opening themselves up. God is always there talking, and that's that's one way. Another way is to get around people who are hearing from God. Right, get around people who are who are practicing this lifestyle. If you don't have those people around you. Pray for God to send them to you. Now, the people, like, bring the people to me, my life, to help support this purpose and this death that you give me. Bring the right people around me to help stir up this gift on the inside of me. And sometimes those people are going to be full of grace, and sometimes they're going to be full of accountability. Sometimes it's going to be, it's going to feel like cupcakes, and sometimes it's going to feel like bullets. But these people are put in your life to help stir up that gift that's on the inside of you so that you can hear God more clearly. So ask God and then ask God to bring the people in your life to help stir up that gift. That's what's worked for me. Now in the book, you also have like after each section question, why are the questions so important in this book? Because it it allows the, the young man or young woman, if she's reading it, to start implementing those principles right now. Oftentimes we read stuff and we close the book and then it's information is fleeting. But transformation, like we talked about earlier, transformation comes through relationship. And so as you're reading these chapters, the words on the page and you like you are partnering with the words of you're partnering with these principles. You are in relationship with these principles. And those questions are going to help to stir up some things on the inside of you. It's going to help you understand how to apply these principles to your life right now that's why they're important so at what age did you realize that you are a king like when did you just have this epiphany like i know i'm a king i know i'm walking in my purpose at what age did you realize that i knew early on when i say early on like kindergarten that i was different you know in a book i talk about just not fitting in even to this day like you can put me in a room full of people just like me and i still won't fit in you know what I'm saying? So it's like I was I knew early on in my life that there was something different. I didn't feel like I was better than everybody else, but I felt like I was just different. Like 
my perspective was different. And I would always have adults tell me, you know, Jesse, like there's something different about you. And I would have friends in my, in my community who was out, you know, selling dope and, 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 and gangbanging and, and doing, you know, being promiscuous. And, and I'm like, man, I want to kick it with y'all. They're like, nah, Jess, you can't do this. You're going to be the one to get out. Mm-hmm. So imagine your friend out there doing all that stuff, have it looks like fun, and they won't let you come because they believe that you, you're the one, like, you different. Like, you can't do this. You're different. So I knew early on that um, I was different. I didn't really learn about purpose and destiny until later on in my life, probably when I was in college, because that just wasn't taught in the, in, in the churches I went through. It was all about come to church, be right, they wrong, be going to heaven, they're going to hell. That's it, right? So I really wasn't talking about I wasn't talking about relationship. But when I got to college, like that's when I began. I got around people, a community who were talking about purpose and destiny and relationship. That's when I found out who, who God was for me and what that relationship looked like. So another question I have, then Lady Todd, I'm gonna give it to get the floor to you so you can ask some questions. Oh, no, you're good. Y'all <laughs> flow. But um getting in right now. <laughs> <laughs> um I know we hear this term a lot, like you're a king, you're a queen, and you know, people are making shirts and there's a lot of you know um goods being sold online. Do you feel that that term is being used too loosely? Like it's starting to lose like the definition. Per se. Yeah, I don't know if it's being used too loosely. What I would say is we see a lot of um, people in our culture using it because for so long we've been on trial. Our identity was kicked away. So now I believe that's a way for us to, to regain identity, right? By by saying these things, by 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 watching these this different content go out that says you're royalty. I mean, God said it anyway. We're a royal priesthood, right? And so because for so long, We've been pressed down, and now we're at a point where we're getting a better uh, understanding of who we are people. I wouldn't say it's being done too loosely. What I do, what I do believe is, is you have to merge your cultural priesthood with your spiritual priesthood. Like it, like you can't, you can't say, I'm a, I'm an African, or I, I'm an African king, or I'm an African queen, if you're a believer and not identify who you are in the kingdom. I believe there needs to be a better understanding of that. And so when I, like when we say, when I say I'm the king, it's not saying that I'm better than you. What it's saying is, this is who I've called, like God called me to this position. He's called me to dominate in my specific area of gifting. He's called me to walk in my purpose. He's called me to a place of royalty. He's called me to that. And so understanding who you are not just culturally, but in the kingdom too. I like a healthy balance between the two. Okay. Um, would you like to talk about your other books that you've written or would you like to share briefly? Sure, if you like. If you like to sure. talk about it, I'm open to it. Sure. Can yeah. you tell, tell our audience your other about your other books? Yeah, so we have four, five books, and we have two, three more in the works. Mm-hmm. And so um my books are pretty much around centered around like leadership and becoming a better person and understanding who you are and, and your area of influence. So the most recent one that we wrote is called Leading a Lead with No Apologies. And that book was written because I was working in a um at a job. And um, when I first came in, 
I started off at this level with everybody else. But over time, there began to be a separation. I began to get promoted like faster than everybody else. So the same people I was at at this level, when I began to get promoted, they started acting different, right? And because I, I'm the kind of person that wants everybody to win, I thought there was something wrong with me. Like, is there something wrong? Like, why are they acting like that towards me? And what I found is that I had survived. It was kind of like a survivor's remorse, meaning even though things were happening for me, I felt bad for them because I used to be with, I, I used to be at that level with them. And so I would always apologize for being promoted. Mm. I would always apologize for like being caught to the table and they weren't. I would always apologize for being chosen when they weren't. And then God began to show me that just like Joseph, he began to elevate me for a specific reason. And so I need to be, I need to be comfortable at this position. So that's where that, that term lead with no apologies. Like if God has called you to something, God has called you something greater, you don't have to apologize to anybody, right? You don't, you don't got to apologize for being blessed. You don't got to apologize for being a king or a queen. You don't got to apologize for being promoted. That's who God called you to be. I'm that's not apologizing, Lady Time. That's right. I'm a queen. Like that, that's who you are and walk in that. That's right. That doesn't, mean that, that, that doesn't mean that you turn your nose down at everybody else. What that means is that you have access to more resources to help everybody else if they want. That's right. Right. And so right. Um, in that book, we talk about um, we talk about going to we talk about um, managing God's influence properly, because even though we've been elevated, that's God giving us his influence. So you have to manage that properly. Right, we talk about you know persistence in there. Uh, there you know, there's there's like 21 chapters, and I can't you know I can't remember all 21 chapters, but it's really it's, I'm sharing stories to help people understand how to navigate their kingdom leadership. So, is there anything else you would like to share about this book, Walk, Walk Like the King: The Young Man's Guide to Conquering the World? Any key points you would like to share? I think we've I think we've touched on a lot there. Um, what what I what I would like to share is that you know from that book we created an online um, coaching program too that is like self paced. So if anybody's interested in that, um, I'm pretty you, you have the information. I can make sure I get that information to them. So especially right now during this quarantine where kids are at home anyway, they can just log on and go through the six modules. It's a workbook on there. It's video and audio to really help them understand how to bring the book to life. Can you share the website? You have a website. I do. So you can go to kingdom kingdommogulcoaching.com and go to my store. It should be there. All right. So that's again, that's kingdom code kingdom mogul coaching.com. Okay. Kingdom It should be there. And if you if you want to reach out to me, you can um I'm, I'm on Facebook. Uh, Coach Jesse Cole. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Coach Jesse Cole. You can send me an email to jesse at kingdommogulcoaching.com if you would like to connect. And the good thing about that book is that, um, like I said, I wrote it in 2011, 2012. And I haven't really had, my focus hasn't been on mentorship over the last five years. But I'm still getting calls like this. I'm still getting inquiries like this to talk about it because of the impact that it's made. 
And so the book is on Amazon if you would like to get it. I think you're giving away like two or three copies for free. So yeah, Mary Bird won. She won a copy this evening. Yes. So we have like two copies left. Um, so it's, it's available on Amazon as well. So, you know, right at, at this point in my life and in my in this season in my life, we're really focusing on helping people like discover their 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 kingdom story, their kingdom message and teaching them how to monetize that. So I'm not doing as much mentoring, group mentoring as I used to do, but the content is still effective and is still relevant for today. Okay. Is there anything else you would like to add before we close out? Lady Tiny, anything you would like to add? Actually, um, he spoke well about being a father. He spoke about knowing God for himself and then bringing his uh, children in. Can you speak briefly about the married the marriage, the husband, Jesse Coach Cole. <laughs> so that's a great question. Um, I believe that my wife and I, our marriage, um, what, what God told us this before we even got married, that he put us together to show people what faith looks like. Amen. And so our whole marriage has been a faith walk. Um, at the beginning of our marriage, um, a lot of people don't know this, but there was there was a, there was some tension there. Um, it was because of me, because I, I had expectations that were unfair to her, and I didn't know how to cast vision properly. Like we're two different people. I'm the big picture person. She's the meticulous engineer by trade. She likes the detail. So at the beginning of our marriage, they have this friction because I would feel like you're not supporting me. Right. You're not supporting the vision. And she's like, I don't know. I, I don't see no details. Right. And so I had to learn how to cast vision properly. I had to learn how to appreciate who God called her to be and not try to make her into somebody that she wasn't. Mm -hmm. So the, for the first couple of years, it was kind of tough because we were learning how to coexist. We were learning how to do that together. Um, now we're at a point where we have a better understanding of one another. We pray together. We worship together. We go to church together. We talk. Um, our house is full of worship. Um, I understand who she is. I celebrate who she is. I'm her biggest supporter. You know, when she's out shooting, like she's a professional photographer. So whenever she needs me, I'm there holding lights and helping her with the designs and stuff. When I'm speaking, she's there taking pictures and shooting video for me. Like, so we like we're, we we found this healthy rhythm with how to love and support and how to appreciate one another. That's, the, that's the word, support. The king support the queen and the queen support the king. Y'all have to support each other. Support, support, yeah. support. And it may look different for every couple, you know? So you may look at us and be like, see, she doing that for Jesse. Like, no, but your house different, dog. Your, your house different. Like, what, what does support look like for y'all? Y'all got to figure it out. Got to figure out what is support. What like what is your rhythm? Because our rhythm is different. So find like find whatever your there's that word again that rhythm. Find whatever your your rhythm is your 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 love rhythm your love language is, and don't be too proud to do it. Don't be too proud to break down your walls, man and wife. Don't be too proud to break down your walls to like for the betterment of the rhythm of your house. So that's like that's what we learned, right? And so um she's my friend. I call her my 
you know, I call her my bay friend. She's not my best friend. She's my bay friend. She's my bay friend. She's my vision, not my vision manager. Um, everything. And so, you know, God is God is doing God is doing a great work in our house. Amen. Thank you for sharing. Because a lot of men and women need to learn how to find their rhythm in their marriage. Because if you don't, you go off rhythm and it'd be a lot of friction and the yeah. record will scratch. The record will scratch. Okay. So that's yeah. great that you um expressed that. Thank you for sharing. No problem. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you would like to add before we close out? It's been almost an hour, y'all. Man, that time went by so fast. I know, right? Right? It was, it was it was, you, you have to come back. You must come back again. Yeah. Um, great. A, a last word, man. Like, if I could just leave this last word, man. Just and I'm. I guess I'm going to rehash what we talked about in the in our in, the, in our conversation. For those of you who are like really trying to find a way. Or you really want to hear from God, like I can tell you what I've done, and it's just real simple. God, what is your best for me? Like I'm I've learned how to dream with God, and sometimes that can be scary, but it's his job to bring about the outcome. It's our job to just be obedient. So just ask God, like God, why what is your best for me? What is your best for me as a husband, as a wife? What is your best for me as a parent, as a business leader? Like whatever, whatever, whatever role, whatever platform you want, God, what is your best? Because I want that. And if you submit to God's best, then Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you into the specific activity you need to do to receive that best. You ain't got to go after it because it's already there. All you got to do is receive it. Receive God's best for you. That's what I would want to say as, as a last word. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Jesse Cole. We really appreciate you, you and Cole. much Cole. love and blessing. Uh, thank you for praying with us before we actually logged on. This is all new, but I think we did really well. So thank yeah, you. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you. So on that note, I wish everybody have a safe and wonderful Memorial holiday. Lady Tan, anything else you want to add? All I would say, you did a great job. Coach Jesse Cole, continue to follow your dreams because I'm going to be watching every step of the way. Thank you. Yep. Right. Thank you again so much. I enjoyed, um, I wasn't able to stay for the entire Facebook Live, but I enjoyed your Facebook Live today. Um, when we first started this quarantine, you did worship. It was worship yes, while you work. Worship while you work. And I really needed that. That's when we was first assigned to work remotely from home and you played this wonderful song and I just wanted to get up and praise dance in my living room, okay? Yeah. Um, it was just so beautiful. So continue to do the work that you do, continue to encourage and motivate others because you are truly walking in your purpose and you are a king and we need more men like you in the community. So thank you and please continue to do what you do. God bless you and your family. You too, yes. thank you. All right, take care everybody, bye. Bye.